Philippe Jansomo here with the Rock and Metal Podcast. Philippe Jansomo with the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. And we are getting our shit together here on this asshole boat. And yep, I got work to do, and today's my only day to get fucking drunk, so fuck off. And with Rex. Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with your host, Dr. Fuck from Thrasher Die and Combat, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. So it's time to fucking get the wax out of your fucking ears. That's right, we say fuck a lot. Right here on the Rock and Metal Combat fucking podcast. All right, everybody, you know what time it is. It's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with me, Dr. Fuck from Thrasher Die and the band Combat. And I'm here, like always. He's still alive, my friends. What a liver on this guy, huh? Ian Wadley, the Ayatollah of Alcohola. How you doing there, drunkie? Hello, comrades. I'm going to be talking about my, my past week on Motorhead's Motorboat. Yes, I was on that cruise. And, uh, Ian, I believe uh, while I was away on that boat, you did a, a kind of like a, a, a cruise thing yourself, didn't you? Well, yeah, I mean, okay. I, I don't have, you know, the unlimited funds that you have. But I still have the desire for the rock and roll. While you were on the very exclusive motorboat tour, I was on... The Dock and Double Decker tour bus, and uh, that was uh, wow. It, it it was a tour bus, you know, two stories. Drove around New Orleans, basically, you know, you know, we went around six blocks, and it was uh, you know, docking, tour, tour, danger, danger, tough, every mother's nightmare, and bang tango. Oh and, man, I was hoping for a Shark Island reunion. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, uh, their visa got expired. Oh, and, so they, they, and they're from L.A. I know, and that's the pitch of it. That's but weird. They, yeah, I know. They weren't allowed in fucking New Orleans. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, it's 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 more the economy package than what you went on. But, man, it was a lot of entertainment and a lot of shenanigans went on. But but we're not here talking about the Don Dock and Double Tour Decker bus. We're here to talk about the motorboat cruise that you went on. So tell us a little bit of history and a little bit of stories about what you did. Well, I gotta tell you, uh, I actually wasn't planning on going on this trip till uh, a week prior to it. Somebody pulled out and somebody uh, offered me to go on the motorboat for cheap, and I took it. And uh, come Monday, I got there too early. I waited about an hour to get on the boat. Finally, get on the boat. I go upstairs. And who do I see? Up, uh, the first person I see on the boat is none other than Phil Philip H. Anselmo. That, uh, if I remember, it will be the intro to this podcast because I asked him to do an intro to it. Super nice guy, very, um, you know, very, fo- uh, you know, approachable, and he was hanging out with everybody. And Rex Brown was there. Rita was there. Dimebag's. Uh, Ex-girlfriend, well, no, current girlfriend before he died. And uh, then, you know, then I saw Anthrax Testament, 
dudes from Megadeth. I mean, they were all walking around. The guys from Motorhead, with the exception of Lemmy. And, uh, yeah, so um, I saw that. And then, you know, the first, uh, then when the ship took off, saw a Testament play at the pool area. Now, I want to bring up something about this because I have been on the 70 Tons of Metal Cruise which I believe that ship is Norwegian, whatever, Norwegian Cruise Line, whatever, where this one was Carnival Cruise Line. And I can, I got to tell you, it was pure shit. Carnival Cruise Line sucks compared to Norwegian. The way they, they, they set up the stage on the outside, it was fucking every angle possible had obstruction. Even if you were dead center, had these poles on the stage. It was just, it was horrible. It was just, and the sound was not that good. Uh, the food on that boat sucked. Um, no karaoke. It was just such a letdown. I mean, the only thing good about this cruise was the shows, the bands. And, uh, and the worst part about everything was I couldn't drink. Because I have a condition where I have to stop drinking alcohol. So I spent most of the downtime on this show, uh, uh, on this cruise, sitting on a beach chair in the back near a hot tub where nobody was around. And I'm just looking at the ocean going, man, this sucks. Ian would have been, I, you know, I, I wanted Ian to go with me, but that would have sucked too because Ian would have been at the bar the whole fucking time. Oh, man, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, man, I, I feel your pain. Because while you're on the fucking fancy-ass cruise, I'm on the dock and double-decker tour bus. And uh, I thought I was bringing quarters with me, but I brought a bunch of fucking Chunky Cheese fucking, you know, game tokens. And, uh, oh, my God. Well, you know, because Chunky Cheese, you know, that's where all the ladies who put out are. You know, all the single mothers are at Chunky Cheese. And I tried using those to get on the bus. And man, it just didn't work out. So then I gotta, you know, I gotta break out my credit card, which was canceled in the mid '90s, like party of five, um, you know. So then I had to go to a fucking ATM and get cash. Oh my god, um, you know. But uh, you know, I mean, what do you expect for a bus cruise? You know, you know, you get you're you're on the seas. You know, uh, I'm going to the ninth ward of New Orleans. You know, w- with fucking Doc and Tor Tor, Danger Danger, Tough, and Every Mother's Nightmare and Bang Tango. Uh, you know, and actually, I missed Bang Tango and Every Mother's Nightmare because my tokens wouldn't pass. I had to go get, you know, I had to go get actual cash. So I missed half the bands. But, uh, you know, enough about my nightmares. Tell me about the good side of your motorboat tour. Well, the good side was the bands. I have to say, you know, um, even though they are far from my favorite band on the cruise, I thought Anthrax stole the show as far as bands go. But the, the real, the best show I saw on that cruise was this thing called the Metal Allegiance, where it was just people from different bands and, you know, taking turns on stage where it was, you know, Chuck Billy would come out and do War Pigs and... Uh, uh, a few other ones, can't remember at the moment. Then Joey Belladonna came out, who I feel was the star of the damn cruise, period. The guy, I mean, he totally floored me. I feel like he's a better singer now than he ever was because he was doing every song that that guy covered. He was nailing it. 
sometimes even better than the original. Like, I'll give you an example. They did Wheels in the Sky by Journey, and I think he did Steve Perry better than Steve Perry. He didn't sound like Steve Perry. You see, that's where, you know, that's my problem with Journey. Journey keeps getting these clone singers. But they are, I want, I don't know if you're aware of this, Ian. You're not a Journey fan, are you? I love Journey. I love Journey. Okay, good. So uh, there was a time, I don't know if you're aware of this, but, you know, when they first got back together and Steve Perry pulled out, they got that Steve Algieri guy. Yes, yeah, yes, he used to play with Tangier. Okay, that guy sounds yes, yes. just like Steve Perry. Yes. And for whatever... And then, got, yeah. and then they got Jeff Scott Soto. That's where I was going to talk about. So then okay. they got Jeff Scott Soto. Now, I happened to see a show with Jeff Scott Soto, and if you ask me, that was the best singer they got after Steve Perry because... Not only the guy was capable of singing those songs, but he gave it its own stamp. He didn't sound like Steve Perry. He kicked ass. I thought that was the best time I ever saw Journey was with Jeff Scott Soto. But Jonathan Kane being the little shit he is. That fucking douchebag. Oh, yeah. We both agree. I hate that asshole. I hate Jonathan Kane. And put, ah, fuck and, him. And, you know, I mean, I like I like uh, Escape and Frontiers. Those are good album books, man. To me, it's the Greg Raleigh stuff, man. Greg Raleigh all the way. I'm a Greg Raleigh fucking fanboy, dude. Me too, going man. Back, going back to fucking, you know, I know you hate him, but going back to the Santana days, I love fucking Greg Raleigh, and he's a true talent. Great, great singer. And this douchebag, Jonathan Cain, like, I, I hate him. I hate his stage presence. I just don't like the guy, and and he became like, like one of the members of Journey, like the you know when 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 Steve Perry got all egoed out and 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 fired Steve Smith and Russ Valerie, he kept that douchebag with his mullet and um, released that Rays on Radio crap, which I didn't like. And see, I, I there's a few songs I like got raised on radio, but I'll tell you this about Jonathan Kane. He wrote this song for Zeppelin called Hot Dog. Hey, hey, hey. And, and, yeah, yeah, he he co-wrote Hot Dog, and he also co-wrote uh, all the songs on The Elder. So Man. I'm not a fan of Jonathan Cain. Now, now I like him. All right. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> no, but the, the my point being is that I don't even know how we got into this journey thing. But this show is about spontaneous talking. Okay, maybe it won't be. It's about Joey Belladonna. That's right. That, Belladonna. Oh, that's how we got into the journey thing. Because Joey Baldana kicked ass. And then the one part that really upset me about this cruise was, well, one of the many things, was once uh, they were done with the Metal Allegiance, I went to go get something to eat. Because it was done. It was over. You know, it, it ended, and I'm hanging out in the pool area for about five minutes. And I go, ah, you know what? Let me go get something to eat. So I go get something to eat, and I walk out, and I notice they're playing a new level the Metal Allegiance is back on stage playing a new level with Phil and Selma singing. I'm like, what the fuck is this? So I missed, according to the people that were there, I missed them doing my favorite Pantera song, Strength Beyond Strength. They actually played it, and I was like, motherfucker. But they were going to play. And then I heard, okay, Metal Allegiance playing again, they're going to do more Pantera songs. So I figured they're going to play Strength Beyond Strength again, but no, they didn't. So I missed that completely. Uh, but I gotta say, you know, they did play um, Goddamn Electric, which was like, fuck yeah, man. I couldn't believe they did that one. Five Minutes Alone, um, Broken, uh, Primal Concrete Sledge, 
what else? Uh, fucking Hostile. Where Fucking Hostile was actually uh, Phil and Chuck Billy singing it. They were taking turns. Uh, nice. Yeah, and Chris Bro- uh, Broderick on guitar just ripping it out. And you had Charlie Benante on drums. And you got to meet Chris Broderick, right? I met him several times on the cruise. That guy was I, so cool. I, 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 t- I tell you what. I am not the world's biggest fucking Megadeth fan. But I think he is probably the best lead guitar player that Megadeth has ever had. I am a huge Chris Broderick fan. I, are, are you aware of his stuff with like Jack Panzer and Nevermore? Yes, yes, yes. And, but, but I mean, I mean, if he was allowed to like totally break loose and everything, uh, I think you know. And, and I love fucking you know the Chris Paul era and stuff like that, and you know Marty Freeman to an extent. But I, I honestly think that Chris is the most talented lead guitar player that Megadeth ever had. Okay, well, That's my well, opinion. Let me tell you something. Speaking of Megadeth, I heard a rumor on the ship, and if it's room, I'm going to do some groundbreaking shit on here. Because I haven't even told you this, Ian. Oh, okay. Um, since I was very bored on the ship and I couldn't drink, I was always looking for something to do. And at one point, Dave Ellison was having a book signing. So I said, fuck it, let me go buy Dave's book and get a book signing and, and stand in line with some fans. So I met this guy. I, maybe I shouldn't say, you know, I don't, I don't remember his name, and I, I shouldn't describe him, but... Well, we'll, just... we'll say Fred. Fred. His name's Fred. Okay, Fred. Uh, Fred is a mega, mega death fan. Mega, mega. This guy has seen Megadeth over 50 times. Oh, he has my sympathy. He, he was, like, talking, and he was showing me pictures, you know, him with Dave Mustaine, and, you know... He's seen him all the way from 87, and he's from another country, and he travels everywhere, and he got on the motorboat because of Megadeth. So you can tell, you can just imagine his disappointment when they canceled. Now, this is what he told me, because he's got inside information. Now, again, I don't know this guy. I only met him online, but this is what he told me. The story of Megadeth not being on the cruise is because Dave Mustaine has some kind of health problem, and he needs an operation. According to this guy, it's total bullshit. Dave Mustaine is perfectly fine. The reason why Megadeth did not go on the cruise because Megadeth changed management. Now, the old management is what booked the motorboat and a bunch of other shows that they also canceled. The reason that being was because the new management said that you cannot do this cruise because we're not making no money off it. The old the old management did. And they were threatening to sue David Mustaine. Now this is a management that Dave just hired. He just hired these guys and now they're threatening to sue him. Now, according to this guy, Dave Ellison and uh, Chris Broderick, they really don't have no tie-in with management because according to him, they're pretty much paid employees. Megadeth yes. is Dave Mustaine. So they, they can go on the boat and not get sued, which right. they did do, right? And that's the scoop. The reason why Megadeth was not on the ship is because Dave Mustaine is fine, has no health problems. It has everything to do with him being sued by brand new management he hired. Uh, but again, I have to say, this is a rumor. But another thing this guy said that you might be happy about, Ian. Yes. Uh... 
this is the end of Megadeth. What? Yeah, that Megadeth will be no more after this. Now, I he said, this guy's a mega fan, and he's like, I'm really worried. Wow. I, I hope I'm wrong. But he feels like after uh, all this is uh, said and done, Dave Mustaine is going to break up the band to get away from that management. And, you well, know. Well, 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 hold on now. Is, is he, is he going to, like, break up only to bring them back together under new management? Or is this, like, the end, the end of Megadeth? Well, according to this guy, he doesn't know. But he's afraid it is the end of Megadeth. He is afraid. Okay. Okay, because they need to make one more album. Because if they end on Super Collider, that that would be yeah. That's that's terrible. They should have ended with Endgame. Endgame was an awesome album, and it's a great I, and it's a great title for a last Megadeth album, don't you think? God damn it! Uh, yeah, Endgame was a great album. I love. Okay, I'm not gonna say I love Dave Mustaine because I think he is a fucking prick. But out of the big four. I believe he is the best fucking guitar player. Uh, I, I, I love Chris Broderick. I think he's great. Uh, Junior is a solid bass player. I'm glad he's back in the band. Glenn Drover is a solid drummer. But I tell you what, if Gar's still dead, I want Nick Menza in the band. That's just me. But, uh, man, it, uh, I would hate to see the end of Megadeth because I, I want to see him come back and redeem themselves. I feel they kind of let the fans down, you know? Yeah, so we'll see if, hey, again, I have to stress, this is a rumor. This I heard in line from a, a fan from Megadeth from another country. So he said, he, you know, he's, he's made good friends with people on the inside. So Man. this is Man. what he said. So it could be all a lie. They might be feeding him bullshit. The way the guy was talking to me, he seemed so sincere must have been that accent. I don't know. But he seemed like he was such a nice guy. He was a really cool guy that I, I felt like this guy is either telling me the truth or he was fed bullshit. Either one or two. I doubt he was standing there telling me shit he concocted. You know, he was telling me what he heard from other people. Now, Okay. But, well, let, let, me, let, let me ask you. Was this guy's name Gordon Gibbard? <laughs> Oh, man, I should have told him uh, Dave owes me 20 bucks. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got my five. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I, as I said, I can't say the guy's name, so maybe. No, nah, no. Nah. But um, is, what, is, is it you can't say his name because it's Spanish and you don't know how to no, pronounce it? No, I can't say oh. his name because I forgot it. Oh. oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I forgot it, but I don't want to talk about his country or anything like that because, I don't know, I just right. maybe, you know, because Dave Mustaine, I, I don't think Dave Mustaine, like, might know him. I mean, I know he knows him, but he might, yeah. you know, let's just say that if uh, this this podcast, this what we're talking about, gets back to Damon Stain, and he puts two and two together, you know, because I'm sure this guy is not the only guy that travels to see Megadeth. But if I was to say uh, the country, maybe maybe he would put two and two together because he I, 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 I don't know. If you've listened to the last couple of Megadeth albums, I'm pretty sure it's safe to say he is the only guy that follows Megadeth. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah that, that was me. I said it. Fuck you, Dave Mustaine. Fuck you, you, you fucking Christian. Fuck. Hey, hey, hey. You are the best guitar player out of the big four. But other than that, fuck you. Uh, all right. Uh, I just said something that I had to edit out just to tease all you motherfuckers out there. Sorry. 
I had oh my god, and you people would never believe the info that I just got. I but, can't. Yeah, luckily I... for Ralph, I am so drunk, I just forgot what the fuck he said. <laughs> it was good, though, trust me. Uh, okay, so let oh, me... I think, I think it was. I think it was. Uh, uh, another thing I saw on the ship was the Scotty and spoken words, speaking words. Whatever. Oh, oh, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I love, hate that motherfucker. I, I love him because he's got a great last name, and I hate him because he's fucking Scotty. <laughs> that fucking prick. He is a fucking prick. I, I love him, man. I love Anthrax. I love Anthrax and Death. I love SOD. Uh, Oh, he did a horrible side project, though. What was it called? Those Damn Things? I don't know. Do you remember that? I do remember, oh, but no. it was horrible, yeah. Yeah, oh, 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 he did this shit with, uh, with, uh, what was the name? Rob Caggiano or Caggiano, whatever, something Italiano who fucking left. Uh, but I think it was like some good Charlotte motherfuckers or some shit. Oh, my God, fucking horrible. Anyway, though, the main thing is he, you know... He fucked over people in Anthrax. He's fucked over fucking S.O.D. Uh, but he is entertaining, and his last name is fucking beautiful because it's the same as my first. No, it's not. But you tell... Your, well, your, your, oh, okay, your, okay. first, your first name ain't Rosenfeld. <laughs> I, I knew you were going there, yeah. Yeah, but his middle... Okay, his middle name is the same as mine. So, but other than that, he sucks. Uh, uh, you know, did you but, w- were you aware that he actually did change his name to Scott Ian? Like legally? Yeah, legally. Yeah, you it's know, like I it's like I, I forget the guy's name in 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 uh, Bon Jovi, the keyboard player. If you look at the first Bon Jovi album, his like last name was like oh what like what, what Morgan David, Steen or some shit. Oh, is that like David Bryan? I know that. Yeah, yeah. That his name now is David Bryan, but on the first Bon Jovi album, it was like. David his, Brian uh, Jewstein yeah. or something. Yeah. His, his real name is Morty Finkelstein. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Morty Finkelstein on keyboards uh, playing Runaway. Yeah, there you go. All right, all right. but regardless, I, I I know I'm dragging on here. I, I still, as much as I bitch, I love Scotty and I fucking worship Anthrax. I am a, I'm a way bigger Anthrax fan than you are, Ralph. Yes. Uh, so so, tell me about, about this this uh, spoken word because I would love to hear it. Okay, the I, spoken I, the spoken word was very very entertaining. I gotta admit, and I'm not a big fan of Scott Ian either uh, as as a person. Because let me let me just say before I talk about the spoken word, I gotta tell you this story about Scott Ian that to this day it has to be the most pompous shitty thing I've ever seen any musician ever do was uh, when the last time they played Fort Lauderdale with uh, Testament and Death Angel, there was a VIP um, VIP thing where you paid extra money to meet the band. Well, the guy that's now right. playing drums for Combat, my band, he was, this is before I had Combat, obviously, a little kid, you know, he's still young, he's like 17 or something, but back then he was like 15, and he was with his dad, and his dad and him went back to the VIP thing, and met Anthrax, and then when they came out, I saw them, and they both were telling me how shitty the experience was. They hardly even got to talk to the band. They pretty much just pushed them in there, took a picture, and pushed them out, and it was really horrible. And right while they're bitching about this, Mr. Scott Ian comes walking out, right? 
And the father goes up to Scotty, and I'm standing right here. I witnessed the whole thing. This guy is telling Scotty, and dude, I think it's messed up. I'm here with my son. We paid all this money to meet you guys, and it was just quick. And this went on for a while. And Scotty is sitting there listening to him. I think Scotty said a couple things. It went back and forth for about, I'm not lying, for at least four to five minutes. This was going on. Where I swear to you, this is the truth. Scotty and said, right there, he goes, okay, listen. I spent about five minutes now with you. Is that enough? Ouch. I swear to you. That's what the guy Ouch. said. And he had a little laugh after it. like, <laughs> And I was like, what a douchebag. It's like, Ouch. dude, you're not anthrax. Where's Joey and fucking Frankie and, and Fred Flintstone? That's when Fred Flintstone was playing guitar for him. And um, Charlie Bennett, I mean, it was just such a pompous thing for him to fucking say. It was really low. And then he, then he started bitching, I got to leave because my wife and kid are at a hotel down the street. You know, I got to go, guys, you know. Um, what a dick. Ouch. He was such a dick. He should have said, like, look, man, I'm, uh, talk to this guy or come with me and we're going to compensate for you and your son. No, he was pretty much, well, you just spent time with me now. Not, and, and he even said, he goes, not to be a dick, but yeah, you just spent like, you know, all this, you know, I just talked to you now for a while. It's like, yeah, but he was, uh, they were bitching at each other for a while. That ain't VIP, asshole. That's fucking P- PMS. And okay, so that was my little uh, sto- uh, backstory I, of what a douche I, this guy is. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you what, though. I've always said this. I mean... And I am a huge, like, when a lot of people gave up on Anthrax, I've always stood by Anthrax. Uh, I was pissed when they let Joey go, but I love John Bush. I love the John Bush albums. But I've always said, like, if I'm going to party with one fucking member of Anthrax, it's going to be fucking Frankie Bello. Yeah. And you, and you yourself, you, you told me this offline, that you had a great experience with Frankie Bello. I should and say I th- that story. I think you should share that with the fans because I think Frankie Bello seems like a down-to-earth motherfucker and and you have a great Frankie Bello story. I think you should share that. Which, by the way, I did bring it up to him on the cruise. I mentioned the story to him where he forgot about it and I'll tell you his reaction after I tell you the story. Oh, really? He yeah. forgot about it? He, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's all, you know it's understandable how he would forget because this is like 1998 and it was just a freaky thing. It, was, it happened quick. Uh, me and a buddy of mine uh, were in Virginia, of all places, to see Anthrax play. And he had an interview set up with uh, John Bush, actually. So we're in, the, we're in the lobby of the hotel waiting for John. And there's Frank Bello. And we noticed Frank Bello. So we go up to him, say hi nice guy and everything took a couple pictures and he's like man this taxi's taking forever I want to go to the mall so we said hey Frankie we'll take you to the mall he's like oh cool guys so he jumped in our car and we're driving to uh, the mall and who's walking down the street then guitarist Paul Crook with Scott Ian they're walking uh, up a sidewalk and we spot them and Frankie tells tells us slow down so we slow down he <laughs> He lowers the window and he yells out, homo, and then he hides in the car where Scotty and Paul Crook look around and they only see me and my friend. Like, we were the ones that called him homo. That's the story. Now, when I met Frankie, I told him this. 
And Frankie kind of winced a little bit going, oh, God, I said homo. I guess he's more PC now, I guess, you know. But, no, again, he was a nice guy. Um, Frankie is a cool dude. I don't, I don't know if he's a part of your, believe it or not, the one I saw drinking on the ship was Charlie, of all people. Now. Yeah, well, yeah, because he beats his wife. You know, oh, which, which by I, the way, I understand that. which by the way, I guess they're divorced, or he was with some girl that definitely was not his wife, because I know what his <laughs> wife looks like, and that I will keep on the podcast. He was with some girl, but he was like holding hands with his girl the whole time on the ship all week. I saw him several times walking around with this girl, and they were a couple, so he must not be with that girl anymore, the wife anymore. Yeah, and, and I, I, I don't care to let that go out there because. Hey, every time once in a while your old lady needs to get smacked around. And Charlie Benente is the best fucking drummer of the big four. And that goes without saying. Well, Charlie well, Benente is a fucking beast on the drums. Ian, I agree with you there, but you got your facts wrong. It was her that beat Charlie. I don't know if you're aware of that. Oh, beat the beat the beat you beats the only thing hot <laughs> is the smell of my feet. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so uh, she's the man. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> she's like? a man. She's so bad. <laughs> she's in detention. She put me in detention. <laughs> she's the man. Anyway, so uh, uh, I, I, are you aware who John Tempesta is? I love John Tempesta. As a matter of fact, this is awesome. This is this this is some real story shit. Uh, I'm a friend with John Tapesta on Facebook, even though we've never met in real life. But I sent John Tapesta a happy birthday message the other day, and he wrote me back. And I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. This motherfucker, even though I've seen him in concert, he doesn't know me from Adam. And he wrote, me, he thanked me for giving him a happy birthday wish. John Tapesta was Charlie Bedente's drum tech. He went on to play with uh, with White Zombie. Uh, he played with Testament for a while. He plays with the Cult. He's an incredible drummer, and by all accounts, what I've read online, he's a cool fucking dude too. Yeah, he he was in Exodus too, I believe. Objection! Ex- oh, Objection! Oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Yes, and, and uh, Force of Habit. He played on Force of Habit okay, as well. Okay, there you go. Well, it, yeah, speaking, it was his fiftieth birthday on the ship. There was a fiftieth birthday party where. Charlie was hitting it hard, man. I, I didn't notice him being really drunk, but I saw Charlie taking a lot of shots. And what was cool about that, there's another cool thing about the ship, which I did film a little bit of it, was they were, they did a little jam uh, in a little lounge nice. where, dude, I had to like raise my camera like 10 feet in the air to get footage of this, where it was Mike Mark Portnoy, Mike Portnoy, that douchebag that was in Dream Theater. Uh, oh, that fuck? Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, he was there. He was part of the Metal Allegiance, too. He played drums, and they did Tom Sawyer with fucking Joey Belladonna sounding exactly like Getty Lee. It was mind-blowing. And they also did um, some Van Halen songs. Uh, oh, what else did they do with Joey? I know they did another one. And I filmed that Joey had a hat on with all his hair put up, so I didn't know it was him at first. I, 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 I'll tell you what. Out of all the posts that you put... After after the cruise, um, that was my favorite. What? Excuse me. The one where you said, "What a cool dude, fucking Belladonna." Yeah, was. yeah, yeah. Because because I, I I know you're kind of rough on the Belladonna era Anthrax. You're a Neil Turbin guy. Yeah. 
and and all this. But uh, you know what? I love Joey Belladonna, and Joey Belladonna is really, it, personally to me, got me into thrash metal because that was the hardest thing for me was like the vocals. You know, I was used to like singers and stuff, but, but Anthrax was the band that had a real singer. And uh, I loved Joey Belladonna's voice. Loved it. And man, when Anthrax got rid of him, I was so sad. I mean, I mean, in the end, I was happy because I loved the shit that they did with, with John Bush. But I loved Joey Belladonna. I loved the, the solo shit that he did afterwards. I bought it. And he just seems like a real cool, down-to-earth guy. Oh, so you never and met him? No, no. I have, oh, matter of fact, I've never seen Anthrax with Joey Belladonna. Wow. Unfortunately, yeah, because of, man, when they're playing and where I move, I've moved all around the country, you know, because of, of warrants, you know. I mean, I mean, not like Jenny Lane warrants, but damn near. Uh, <laughs> but so, so, I, so you have warrants out on you? We ain't going to talk about that shit. We're talking about Joey Belladonna. Well, you just brought uh, it up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I love him to death. No, I saw Anthrax three times with John Bush, and I've never seen him with Joey Belladonna. And I would love to because, man, that dude, he is just as important to me. I mean, the fucking rhythm guitar of Scott Ian, you cannot deny. Right. He's a fucking Frankie Bello I love. The fucking drumming of Charlie Benente. I mean, I just... I fucking love Anthrax, but that voice of Joey Belladonna is just fucking amazing. And if you listen to uh, our fans, just check out uh, Anthem. It's an EP they put out. Uh, you know, where it all covers. And <laughs> the version he does of, of uh, Journey, Keep on Running. Yeah. You know, and even even if you don't like fucking Journey. It is fucking amazing. This dude can fucking sing. And every interview I've ever seen, he just seems like the nicest fucking dude. And I loved it that you were harsh on his albums, but you said when you met him, you're like, that guy made the cruise. That made me so happy because he just seems like a straight-up good dude, and he is a fucking hellacious singer. Yeah, well, the thing about meeting him, yeah, that wasn't really why I praised him so much, even though he couldn't have been nicer. He's a super nice guy. But the for me, it's like he gave so much energy on that Metal Allegiance thing and uh, Anthrax, the Anthrax performance. I mean, the guy put 120%, sang his fucking ass off. I think he sings now better than he ever has. Uh, they did TNT Anthrax on both sets they, from Anthem. Nice. And, nice. dude, singing Bon Scott's not easy. And this guy, anything they threw at him, he sang great. And, like, when they did Wheels in the Sky from Journey, if you guys, everybody's aware of that song, there's a part in that song where the guitar solo is going on and Steve Perry hits these really high notes during the guitar solo. Joey did it. You know, Joey was just amazing. He did Neon Nights from Dio, Heaven and Hell, Man on the Silver Mountain. Uh, oh, man, it was just so much. I, I, I can't remember all the songs he did at the moment, but he was just on fire. Oh, Green Man Alishi. 
where he hit the high notes Rob Halford hits. He actually did it. You know, it's just he just amazed me so much on this cruise. And to me, he is like the all star of the group, the uh, the whole cruise. That guy, Good. At, yes. Good. I'm I'm glad I'm glad you appreciated the awesomeness of Joey Belladonna. Yes, and believe me, Ian. As much as you worship the guy and you love him, if you were on the cruise. You'd even be more amazed than I am because you'd be like, "Oh, I bet." I well, bet. I always thought he, I always knew he was great, but God, he he was better than than ever. But the funny thing is, while you were on this cruise, and I was on the dock and double decker tour bus, uh, we had to stop because everybody had to piss, so we had to stop at a church's chicken, <laughs> so everybody could get out and and take a piss. I run into fucking Jimmy Page. Wow. Wow. You know, I, I know a lot of you know Jimmy Page from The Firm, but he actually used to be in a band called Led Zeppelin. Yeah, so I, I knew I, that. I, I knew that. I, I, I run into Jimmy Page, and uh, I was like, hey, Jimmy, you know, I, I'm from the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. Punches me right in the fucking mouth. I mean, I mean, just like, bam, right in the fucking mouth. I'm like, hey, what the fuck, dude? And he's like, I hate you, Terrence. And I was like, no. I'm like, no, dude. I'm like, I'm Ian. I'm the Ayatollah of Rock and Roller. He's like, oh, my bad. Yeah, I, I uh, actually, I heard from, I know the janitor that uh, at, at the school where John, uh, Jimmy Page's son, who's actually 40 years old but still in the sixth grade, that's a whole other story. He told me about that meeting with you and... Uh, I was shocked to find out that he he came home and he told his son that I met this guy that I thought was Terrence, but it turned out the guy that he hates hot dog. I really like that guy. Turns out he hates hot dog too. Exactly. He hates hot dog. Damn. So, so yeah, it's me and Pat, the bass player from fucking down. I don't know how he was there at the same time. It was a weird uh, scheduling conflict. But yeah, we're just sitting there. Jimmy Page walks up, smacks me right in the fucking mouth. But just because he thought I was Terrence. And then after that, he apologized and he played Over the Hills acoustic. Oh, wow. And, that's, uh, you know, yeah. that's, that's Led Zeppelin, right? Or was that firm? Yeah, no, 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 no. Over the Hills is far away. That is Led Zeppelin. Okay. And, uh, you know, all was, all was forgiven. I, I was going to call Horace Barton is a local attorney here in the New Orleans area. Uh, but uh, he's he's like, hey, I'm sorry I hit you. Let me play Over the Hills of Far Away, and uh, we'll call it a day. And it worked. <laughs> it worked. I loved it. Very cool. Um, well, okay. Uh, well, let me get back on the motorboat. I, I want to say, to me, probably the, the pinnacle of, of of my trip. I don't know. if I, I, Did I tell you about when I got off of Mexico what happened? Yes, Okay. Yes, you did. You you did. But the fans of the podcast need to hear this because this is an awesome story. This is an amazing story. Uh, we stopped at Cozumel, Mexico. I think that was the name of the place. Uh, and uh, I get off the ship, and there's these two Mexicans, big boys, man. They were big, wearing Testament shirts. They're out there, and um, and I'm coming out, and they're waiting for Testament to get autographs and pictures, whatever. And I come out of the boat and I come, you know, I walk by them and one of them points at me and says, Thrasher, die. He actually knew me from Thrasher, die. And he's like, and, you know, I speak Spanish. So we were speaking Spanish where he said, wow, I didn't know you guys were on the ship. 
And I was like, no, we're not. I'm just, you know. And he's like, oh. And he and he was saying that his cousin, Humberto, I even remember the name, is going to be so upset he didn't come because Humberto actually bought a copy of Thrasher Dies Poser Holocaust on uh, the internet, owns it, is a huge Thrasher Die fan. I go, well, why was why isn't he here? You know, I go, no, we told him to come, but he doesn't like Testament. I was like, whoa. The guy doesn't like Testament, but he likes Thrasher Die? That's badass, man. So, you know, I took a picture with him. And uh, to me, that was to me that was the highlight of the whole fucking trip was two guys in Mexico, from Mexico, recognized me. What? That was mind-blowing. To me, it was like, wow, what a crowning achievement to this boring-ass trip. And uh, let me get back well, on the sh- uh, right. I mean... Th- that that that, that kind of happened to me while I was on the the dock and double decker tour bus. We did we did stop at the church's chicken to use the bathroom. Unfortunately, there was a boot put on the truck uh, on, on the bus because uh, apparently they didn't pay for some parking tickets. And some guys came up to me and they're like, "Whoa, are you the lead singer from On the Dark Side? The only New Orleans John Caffrey, the Beaver Brown." Band tour, you know, cover band. I was like, "Yeah, that's me." Now, um, one thing I was filming Zach the second time, and Motorhead was about to go on at 10 p.m. and Zach was running a little late, and I filmed like most of the Zach set, and it was approaching 10 o'clock, and I'm like, "Damn, man!" And I was like thinking, should I go see Motorhead or should I film the rest of this show? And you know, I was about to say, "Fuck this!" I'm gonna go film Motorhead when one of the Zach's people came up to me going, yo, Holmes, turn off the camera. You got enough. And I was like, oh, okay. This guy made up my mind for me. Let me go get Motorhead, you know? So I ran. Now, yeah. Now, now, was he stopping you before he played Shot in the Dark? Is that what it was? <laughs> no. I don't know okay. what he played because after he told me to turn off the camera, I ran to the little theater, uh, you know, one floor down where Motorhead was I, it was perfect timing and I walked in and there's Lemmy going we are Motorhead and I was like okay cool I got it right when they started so I, I filmed all of Motorhead both shows and uh, but then the next day at the port while we're out there's Zach Wild like waiting for a cab or whatever and I was going up to him to take a picture but you know it wasn't really a big of a deal for me because I already got a picture with him on uh, the meet and greet which I don't have yet the website they had a professional camera guy taking pictures and they're going to put it up on the website so we can get nice. it. So I got to nice. wait. I got to wait. But anyway, I was like, fuck it. I'll get a picture with him now, you know. And while I was walking up to him, there's the guy that told me to turn off the camera. And he's like, hey, did you get enough footage? And I said, hey, listen, man, just to let you know, I'm not a bootlegger. That shit was just for me. I'm a fan, this and that. He's like, no, no, it's cool guy. Did you tell him you were with the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast? <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, you should have. Yeah, I should have. But um, I did say, um, no. I, I Actually, no. I didn't tell him I was from the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. But when I did say, hey, look, I'm not going to like uh, sell this. right." I couldn't even finish telling him that I was a bootlegger where he punched me in the mouth saying, I hate you, Terrence. <laughs> And I said, I'm not Terrence, damn it. And he goes, don't play hot dog, motherfucker. And then I said, "Then I said, hey, look, is it, can I get a quick picture with Zach? And he goes, no, Terrence. 
I go, but I'm not Terrence. <laughs> and then he said, he said, look, if I have you take a picture with Zach now, everybody's going to bombard us. And I go, you know what? Out of respect, I'm not going to do it. And then he's like, okay, man, thanks, bud. I go, no, it's Terrence to you. And then I ran. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so uh, finally, let's end this show, which me, uh, I'll talk about the, the the reason the boat was. Oh, yes. Motorhead. Please tell me about Ian Kilmeister. Now, the most, that guy, no. He was not walking around the ship. I saw Phil Campbell and Mickey D a lot. Got a picture with both of them. Saw those. Awesome so, pictures. Awesome pictures. Yeah, but... Lemmy, at one point, I was in the um, casino, and uh, I walked, I was like looking for a roulette, I don't like playing roulette tables, but I like those roulette, like, uh, machines, so I'm just walking around looking for one, and I turned the corner, and there's this little built guy with a motorhead, uh, motorboat crew shirt, and he kind of like, grabs me, like, by the shoulder, he's like, hey, okay, hey, how you doing, guy, like, kind of, like, pushing me away, and I noticed there's Lemmy playing one of the machines, so he was, like, hired to keep people away from Lemmy, and I noticed him, and I, I automatically said, oh, I go, dude, I know that's Lemmy, don't worry, I'm not gonna bother him, he's like, okay, cool, thanks, so I went, and, like, a stalker I am, and, uh, watch the YouTube version of it, I will put it up, I went, I went two rows down on a on a, a machine, and I'm playing this machine where there was a gap between both machines, and I proceeded to take pictures of Lemmy's back playing playing the fucking slot machine. It's just Lemmy's back with a little hat, you know. Trust me, that is him. So yeah, I never got to see Lemmy, though I did go to the meet and greet. The meet and greet was pretty much really quick. You had to go four to per person. All three members of Motorhead were sitting down. I worked it perfectly where I walked behind a Lemmy and I leaned down toward Lemmy's face and I took the picture where when I get that picture I'm going to crop everybody else out where it's just me and Lemmy and um, then okay so I and then I did end up telling Lemmy Lemmy and I don't know if, the, if our listeners know or aware of this but I did see the very first Motorhead show in America which was at the Miami Baseball Stadium with Hart and Blois to call co-headlining and Motorhead opened that show and I didn't know nothing about Motorhead but they played a commercial for their album Ace of Spades which was a brand new album at the time shows you how long ago it was and I heard 10 seconds of Ace of Spades and I told my friends we need to get to the show early I need to see this Motorhead band that sounds heavy you know and yeah they, so I did tell Lemmy that in that brief 5 seconds I was with Lemmy in the meet and greet I said Lemmy, I saw the very first Motorhead American show at uh, the Miami Baseball Stadium. And he turned and looked at me and he goes, I remember that. And uh, But back in 1991, I met Lemmy too. And I mentioned that to him, but I said it differently. I said, Lemmy, I saw your very first show in America and at the Miami Baseball Stadium. He goes, no, that was Motorhead. I was here with Hawkwind. So, okay. And now to the Motorhead show. Very loud, how you expect. It was... My eighth time seeing Motorhead. So now I actually seen Motorhead nine times because I saw him play twice. They didn't really mix it up that much. They opened up with Damage Case and Stay Clean, which 
it was nice, but it also worried me a little bit because it was played extremely slow. And I was like, oh, no, what the hell's this? You know, because of Lemmy's condition, you know, they're playing this shit so slow. But then they went into over the top, and it was all back, it was all up to speed after that. Where the next night they played no class, and oh, I can't remember what else. But to me, the highlight was he actually played Rocket. He played something from Another Perfect Day, which was I've never seen Motorhead play anything from Another Perfect Day. Which well, to me, at, at the, least he didn't play back in the funny part. Hey, hey, hey. Um. Anyway, so um, they were great. They were loud. They were awesome. Uh, but it's what to be expected by Motorhead. I can't say it was the best time I saw Motorhead, but it was awesome. I mean, Dummy is very frail looking now, very thin. He came out wearing like a, a, a captain's white captain's hat, whole black uniform, but he was very frail. Like he just stood in one spot. He played well, but it, you know, Lemmy. You can tell, man. It's like, even his voice was kind of like, you know, it sounded like Lammy and everything, but there's certain songs where, like, I'll give you an example, like Kill by Death. You know, toward the end of Kill by Death, he's doing a lot of that yelling, like, Kill by Death, ah! like all that yelling. He wasn't doing that. He's not able to do that anymore. He is frail. Mickey D, one hell of a fucking drummer. Phil Campbell. Amazing. Oh, Amazing yeah, drummer. One of the greatest drummers ever. And uh, Phil Campbell is also... I think Phil Campbell is very underrated. I don't think he's a guitar virtuoso, but for Motorhead, I feel like he's perfect for Motorhead. Perfect guitar player. And, uh, you know, they played Just Because You Got the Power, Don't Mean You Got the Right, which was cool, too. Uh, Chase is Better Than the Catch. Um, ooh, there was so many other ones. I can't, like... The sets were pretty much the same, except for a song or two. Uh, Anthrax was the one that mixed it up the most. Uh, Down mixed it up a little bit too. Uh, Testament, the second time they played, they played Alone in the Dark, which is one of my favorite Testament songs, which I haven't seen them play since the Legacy Tour, so that was very refreshing. Um, All in all, the performances were good. The ship really sucked. The food sucked. The service wasn't that great. Uh, the room was a little more spacious than the Norwegian Cruise Line, but I would put Norwegian Cruise Line way above it. Uh, 70 tons of metal, which is a much better experience, but maybe that's because I drank too, and I wasn't... I was very sober on the motorboat, and to me, that was the worst part. I recommend anybody that becomes sober after a long uh, life of drinking heavy alcohol... Don't I don't go, recommend that. Yeah, don't go on a, a party cruise... For, for a few years because that was my major mistake because I spent many boring times because there was a lot of downtime you know during this cruise there was a lot of times when bands weren't playing there was nothing to do but drink and I couldn't drink and I wasn't going to go you know eat every fucking five minutes either you know I had to look you know I know I could gain a lot of weight in that fucking ship you know because it's pretty much a smorgasbord eat all you can eat but uh, that part sucked I gotta say, I didn't have the greatest time, but at the same time, when I did lay down on that beach chair, I did soak in the ocean, and I just relaxed myself to get my mind off everything, almost like a meditation thing, so I guess it was a nice relaxing trip, but you know, if you're gonna get on a motorhead cruise, you better fucking drink your ass off, you know, those people that were on there did it right, I did it wrong, unfortunately, but it was out of my control, I wish it could have been a better time, but I mean... 
a lot of good things did happen. You know, I mean, the Mexico thing being recognized and hanging out with Phil and Selma was, and, and Joey Belladonna and, you know, Motorhead made it worth the, the all the boring downtime I had. Um, and that's pretty much it, man. That's my story of the Motorhead motorboat. I know I'm missing, I'm leaving out a couple more stories, but I do want to thank, I don't know if she'll be listening or not. Her name is Jennifer. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for hanging out with me the last three days. And um, what can I say? That's pretty much my, my adventure of the motorboat. Uh, Ian, if you have any last words, uh, say it. Or if not, just tell people how we can listen to this podcast. Okay, well, I mean, uh, you pretty much hogged all the time of this fucking episode. I would just like to mention to everybody how awesome it was. Uh, there was an all-star rendition of Dream Warriors on, on the, the Don Dock and Double Decker tour bus. You know, it was all, you know, Bang Tango and fucking Tough Tough and fucking Danger Danger and Every Mother's Nightmare. Everybody did uh, Dream Warriors. And I heard, Ian, Ian, is it true? I heard the girl that got turned into a cockroach and Nightmare 4 was up there singing it as well. Yeah, yeah, and she punched me in the fucking balls right after fucking Jimmy Page hit me in the face. Oh, she thought but, you were Terrence too, huh? I, I know, I, I guess I just have that face. But, uh, no, it, it was a good show, probably not as much fun as what you had, you know, on, on the motorboat. But what is fun is listen to the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. And you can do that by going on podbean.com. You can go on Podcast Addict. Podcast Addict, man. Now that is fucking easy. If you have a if you have an Android phone or an Android device, it's a free download, and then you just hop in Rock and Metal Combat, hit subscribe, you get every episode. I mean, because there might be some episodes that you haven't listened to, and I think they're all good. Even the ones with Terrence. Even the ones with Terrence are pretty goddamn good. So check them all out. Uh, go on iTunes. Go on uh, the Facebook page, you know, so you can talk to us. Uh, and there's also the YouTube, where Ralph does a fantastic job with videos in the background. It's so much fun. There's so many ways to enjoy this podcast. The best way to enjoy it is to get drunk as fuck, because that's what I do. Uh, but this is a great, great review from... Uh, from uh, Rouse's uh, trip, uh, my trip was was pretty good too. Not as good as Rouse, but we're gonna be back next week with some awesome reviews and some awesome guests, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. And tune in this Sunday and every Sunday for another thrilling episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Booyah! All right, thank you there, Ian. Uh, it was, uh... I think this was a really good episode, straying from uh, the the norm, which this episode, uh, this show should be about different topics. So we'll think up some other wacky shit, and hopefully we'll have some wacky host guests on the show. Uh, again, I want to thank everybody for tuning in, and I'll see you all next Sunday. All right, see you later, guys. <laughs>